Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast, Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. JP, wrapping up the season, how are you this week? Uh, I'm pretty good. It, it could have been better if uh, the Jets could have found a way to help out the Steelers. But, you know, we, we are where we are, and uh, they ended with a better record and a worse draft pick, like we've been talking about all season. And, uh, I mean, it's I'm happy they were able to string off some wins and build some confidence, but not getting a playoff spots, you know, that's that's a tough one. We we were talking about that all well at least for like the last four or five weeks it seemed like how when they were kind of still in playoff contention how the Steelers are going to find a way to blow having an early pick and then find a way to like compete just enough and be the best team to not make the playoffs like that was what I was saying would be the worst case scenario for them and I do think that's kind of the worst case scenario for them going forward as far as a draft pick however. Watching them kind of compete at the end of the year was promising. I, I, I liked seeing Kenny Pickett. I liked seeing George Pickens. Uh, the defense looks really good when T.J. Watt can stay healthy, obviously. Um, so there were some things that you kind of would like to hang your hat on. But overall, they're still a 9-8. and eight, So Tomlin has the non-losing season, which is, you know, the standard. Um, yeah, they, they've reached their standard. And uh funny thing, too, I just want to mention is, they were actually two and six, I think I heard, without TJ Watt, and seven and two with TJ Watt. Yeah, like that's insane how much of an impact a single defensive player can make. Now I understand the second half schedule was much much easier, and uh, Pickett had a few more starts under his belt. But no, TJ Watt's definitely a difference maker, and uh, when he's playing, when he's just simply in the lineup. Alex Highsmith plays at a higher level as well. Um, and uh, I, I'm not surprised that TJ Watt got the, the Pro Bowl nod just from the even the lack of games he had, but just from the impact he had when he's played because Alex Highsmith disappeared when Watt's been out of the game. When he's been in the game. He's had a Pro Bowl caliber season. Yeah, I, I agree. When he's in, I don't know that there's anybody who, you know, has more of a force. Um, you can tell a difference. It's night and day when he's playing and not – and even when he's not making the sacks or the plays, he is taking the double teams. He's taking all of the attention, at least pass rush wise, um, on him. So that opens up, um, you know, the rush for everybody else. You saw in the in the last game against Cleveland, Cam Hayward had what three sacks, or he had two, and then a, a roughing call, which was the most ridiculous roughing the passer call I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I didn't like that call because not not only did I just simply think it wasn't roughing, but Deshaun Watson was very difficult to bring down for the Steelers' defense all game. Mm -hmm. Um, He looked very uncomfortable at times in the pocket, but he was able to shed a tackle and make a play out of it. And I think Hayward was just aware of it. He finally got his hands on him. He wanted to, you know, make sure that Watson was brought to the ground. I guess the ref thought it was a little bit too aggressive in the way he did it and got flagged for it. That's such, like... uh... 
That is so hard. That might be one of the hardest things. They they were talking about the helmet to helmet collisions and stuff, and you know how they had to change the game basically to you know aim lower, hit the the target between their shoulders and their torso or whatever they're going for. Um, I I think you're going to see that um, with this too. Um, kind of just uh, they baby the quarterback. Kind of they they. Um, they're going to have to find a way for the defense to play it differently, I guess. I don't I don't know. Because you see these guys that break away, and you see the more mobile quarterback all the time. If that's Tom Brady, yeah, I understand that being down or whatever. But still, like, you have to bring a guy to the ground. I don't know how he could have done that. It's not like he suplexed him. Right, a guy, I mean, Deshaun Watson's not small by any means. You know, tackling a guy like a, like a Watson or, you know, a Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen. You know, like, these guys are difficult to bring down. Not only... Like, I understand they're quarterbacks, but they're also your best player, best athlete on the field. I mean, of, of course, they're going to have to take, um, you know, some, I mean, it's an aggressive game, as we know, and uh, they want to take the unnecessary roughness out of it. But I felt that, I felt like how he brought him down was justified. You know, he didn't um, horse collar him. He didn't, you know, go, go below the knees or anything. He just grabbed his jersey and uh, threw him down. I mean, Hayward's a big guy, and he's just making sure that Watson's able to get to the ground because throughout the entire game, he's busting free from tackles. I mean, what do you want the defender to do? And uh, fortunately, Steelers were able to hang on for the W, but that was a costly penalty at the time that easily could have tied up the game. Did they really think like that was a, a, a call? They were like, that was an egregious roughing the passer call. We need to throw the flag immediately because I, I, that was the most run-of-the-mill thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I agree. I just thought it was just like like another play. I know he got tackled hard, but getting tackled hard is part of the game, and like you can't flag someone for that. In in my opinion, I thought it was it was a stupid call. Yeah. Um. After seeing the Cleveland game, Deshaun Watson, that was the first time the Steelers played him, right? Or did was he in the last game? Because they didn't play until late in the season. No, they play uh, later in the year, and yes, the first time they met Watson in Cleveland. Yeah. Um. He, uh, the Steelers look good. I thought, um, I like I said that I feel like they finished the last stretch pretty promising, um, but still, uh, we'll, we'll see when you draft in the middle and you know you kind of stay in the middle. So we'll see how it goes going forward. Um, JP, what what what's kind of your overall thoughts uh, now that the Steelers' season is done? This is like exactly where everyone I feel like had him was around. They were a little bit better. I think Vegas at the start of the year summit over under seven and a half. That's um, fair. That's kind of what I would feel. <laughs> yeah, I think the year before they were set at nine and a half or eight and a half. So I feel like people just know what the Steelers are at this point. And that's like an up, uh, upper lower tier team. You know, like they may get in the playoffs, but if they do get in, they ain't ever going to beat the Bills in Buffalo or the Chiefs at Kansas City. And, you know, they're just average. That's what they are. They can beat bad teams and teams on their level, and they struggle to beat the dominant teams. They're far from a contender, but they're good enough to, you know, not have their losing season, the standard, what they're trying to reach, it seems like, over the past decade. And, I mean, that, that's that, that's now the team that they are. They're like, they're almost like, I'm trying to think, they're almost like the Bengals when they had Andy Dalton back in the day. I was like, just that's so funny you said that. I was just gonna compare kind of the how Mike Tomlin is with the Steelers right now of just getting by with that 
uh, to Marvin Lewis with Cincinnati. Like, he was never a bad, bad coach. He might have had a couple of years, but, like, he was consistently, like, on the cusp or, like, a, a playoff team or pretty close to it. They put out a pretty good team, but they finally had a, you know, part ways with him. Yeah, and that's why I see her in Pittsburgh. It's just, like, a team that's capable of getting there. But when they're there, I'm not expecting big things because not only have they not had a playoff win in a decade, it's or close to it, they're not even competitive in some of these games. Like they, the the Jacksonville game against Blake Bortles, they got stomped. Um, Tebow's beaten them in the playoffs. They've and that there's a slaughtering in the, in the AFC title game they had against New England. Um, and it's just like they're not in in the Cleveland one in the playoffs with Baker Mayfield. They just got blown out straight out the gate, and it's like they have to play catch-up all this time. So what I'm seeing is a team that's, like, physical, and they're built on physicality, but you got to have some, you know, better play calls or, you know, more dynamic players. You're just simply not winning when it comes to playoff football. And uh, this year, they weren't good enough to make it. I mean, they just they struggled early in the year. T.J. Watt got hurt. They never had a consistency at quarterback. Um, Pickett struggled early. He did he did much better after the bye week, but you know, not struggling isn't what's going to get you to the playoffs. It's playing football at a higher quality level, and the Steelers, you know, the quality in which they were playing was you know decent, but it wasn't good enough to get where you need to be. I thought at least at the end of the season, kind of the Ravens and the Browns, I thought. Um, it felt like they were kind of sustaining drives longer. It felt like they weren't, you know, three and out every single time they were driving at least a little bit. Um, and then I believe they said during the game that the Steelers were first and third down conversions or something like that. That I mean, that sounds really strange to me. Um, but I, it seemed like they were moving the ball. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they showed um, the ability to expand drives, like you said, and put more points on the board because you figure the last... Um, well, that's the thing because they, they just can't do that. Right. Because um, against Baltimore the previous week, they only scored 16. Week before that, they only put up 13 against uh, Vegas. They were finding ways to win, but they're just not scoring enough points to be competitive This these teams. Even beating the Falcons um, and then the Raven loss, they scored under 20 points in both of those. But this was the first game where I really saw the offense clicking and, you know, putting points up on the board. I saw Najee Harris in particular the past couple weeks finally found a way, you know, headroom in the run game. Yeah. And you know, he's, he he's was falling forward and stuff. This week. They were showing uh, that how he, he falls forward and stuff. And it sounds small, but like he really is compared to some of the, the how he started the year. He's adding two yards onto every single uh, run pretty much. Right, and I don't know if I feel like he had an injury bug that he was playing with early in the year. Offensive line was messed early in the year, and then as a unit, they got better towards the end of it. So I saw a bit more pop in Najee's game, Jalen Warren's game as well, and Pickett. Like you, like we've been saying the past couple of weeks, been v- very poised and was able to use his legs to, uh, you know, to run to throw, and he was able to make plays outside of the pocket as well. Now, he only completed 13 out of 29 this week, but he was, you know, effectively moving the ball. Um, George Pickens had 72 yards and a touchdown off only three catches. You know, Connor Hayward filled in nicely for Friermuth when he got hurt. I have to say, uh, Connor Hayward has been better than I thought he would be. 
I, when 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 they picked him, I thought he was an undersized guy. They basically just had him for the name. And I have to say, every time he's come in, he's like made plays. He's made some really good catches. Uh, he can contributes on special teams. He, I'm actually, uh, as far as nepotism goes, I'll take him over Derek Watt. Yeah, and to Watt's credit and Hayward's credit this year, when their numbers have been called this year, they've answered the bell. It, they have. I think, yeah. Watt, Watt got a couple carries in goal line and fourth or third in short situations. He answered the call pretty well. Uh, Connor Hayward this week, three catches, 45 yards, not to mention the incredible over-the-shoulder catch he had. And he's he's made plays in the run game, too. Um, he makes, like, catches when he needs to, too. Yeah, yeah, and they're contested. They're not easy, and he's re- he's re- reeling them in. He's, he's played he, he's played incredibly well for what I was expecting this year, and I think that he's you know a, a vital piece to what they can use moving forward. Not that he's ever, not saying that he's like ever starter uh, caliber, but I think he could be a tight end too on this team behind uh, Fryermuth, and then use him as like a hybrid fullback blend when necessary. Um, and look, in this week, Steelers had seven different guys rush the football, and they were just able to move the football effectively against Cleveland doing so. I think that a mix of run and pass is potentially what could get this team moving, and I think um, utilizing Watt or Hayward in goal line situations, you know, kind of in a more creative way as they have using Watt off the wing they did last week. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it, it does bring a little bit of a dynamic look to your offense, which has been very conservative and bland the past couple of years. I don't think that's enough for Canada to necessarily keep his job, but I think it's definitely something that they can use moving forward. Before we talk about Canada and uh, his job stability, I guess, the thing with Connor Hayward and kind of some of these other guys, I feel like you see it in San Francisco a lot. We keep coming back to San Francisco. Um, you used to have the tight end needs to be a 6'5 guy. He needs to be 260, 270, uh, can block and run, and you know he, he has to fit this prototype, and for the most part, they still are. However, you can find places for guys who are like undersized, like uh, Connor Hayward or whatever. You can fit an offense to fit the talent of your guys now versus like I need a 6'2 wide receiver that runs a 4'5", Minimum, I need this, this, uh, this. Like you see, these guys with position flexibility kind of thing. Uh, I have a wide receiver and a running back. I have a tight end and a wide receiver. Whatever you see, these guys who are like an H back kind of thing. I mean, I'm not saying he's you know going to be a star because I don't think he is. But I feel like you do need those role players on you know winning contesting teams. You know, you need that Mike Hilton. You need that guy to kind of contribute that you know depth guy. Yeah, and you see it with a winning team. Look at this door Kansas City's had a wide receiver the past few years. It's just that next man up mentality. And um, what you see here in Pittsburgh, I think Connor Hayward's answered the the, the call when his name has been there. He's, um, you know, he's not nearly as good as uh, Kyle Juszczyk is for the 49ers, but he could serve a purpose in the sense that he can go out wide, he can get in the backfield, and he can contribute to, you know, winning football games that way. You know, and if his number's called and he's answering the the bell, I don't see the issue of giving him uh, more looks as well. Um, it, it, it's it's a little bit of a, a limited offense. We don't really have 
you know, they didn't have a thousand yard receiver this year. And as a matter of fact, they only had one receiver any game. And that was George Pickens against the Jets to break a hundred yards all game. So one game all season by one receiver. Yeah, and one 100-yard rush game for Najee Harris as well. And how so many receiving touchdowns are there by wide receivers? I mean, we know Deontay has zero. Yeah, Deontay, and again, it seems like there's some drama going on there. Did you hear about his like tweet the other day? I didn't hear what it was, but I heard there was drama, but I didn't hear specifically what what it was. Yeah, he basically said, like, keep, keep uh, tuned or something. Changes are coming or something. I don't know. But Is he going like, to catch the, the ball? Is, Is that the change? Yeah, like, like Oh, uh, go ahead. I said, is he going to catch the ball? Is that the change? Right. <laughs> That's what I was hoping. But, like, if he's – last thing I want here is another Devo receiver. And it's like, look, th- this place can draft receivers better than anybody. Deontay is good, but he's not great. We've had better. We've drafted better. We currently have better receivers. And, uh, like, Pickens is definitely, you know, the, the stud of the team, I feel like. Um and if Deontay gets traded or so, um, I hear that the drama's fake. I thought I've heard, but if someone wants something to get out, there's a reason it gets out. Yeah. And, yeah, if he doesn't want to be here, I, I would have no issue trading him. If you can get a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, you figure Deontay Johnson's got to get you maybe a second and a later pick or a pick swap. Um, yeah. But, 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 yeah, I'm... I just don't think he's good enough to be causing all this. Like, I agree. Drama. Like you, you used to have to do something. You have to, you know, at least when AB was a psycho, like he was an all pro. He was incredible. He, he probably still is, you know, arguably the best wide receiver to play for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, he gets open. Like he's a good route runner. And that's kind of where that ends. He catches the ball, um, you know, inconsistently at best. Um, uh, he obviously is not scoring touchdowns. He's not getting hundred yards receiving. He haven't hasn't had one all year. Like we're paying this guy how much money as a number one to what to put up number three numbers? I think Pittsburgh knew he wasn't a true number one, which is why the extension they gave him was only uh, three years. They weren't giving him, you know, all pro or Pro Bowl caliber money. I think that that's what they understand. Um, I saw. Uh, Pittsburgh ended with what's uh, so Pickett threw seven touchdowns and Trubisky threw four. It looks like to end the year, so that's eleven receiving touchdowns all season for the Steelers. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's bottom of the league. That that's and you don't win football games throwing the football. Um, how how many touchdowns quickly that, did uh, did Jamal Williams score? Uh, Jamal so, Williams had. Seventeen, I believe, so on the ground. Seventeen, just on the ground, and the Steelers yeah. rushing or receiving for the year. Yeah. And I realize they're they're two different things, but like keep in mind, they both played you know a, a full season, uh, and one guy can score one per game, and the Steelers can't even score. They're what two thirds of a touchdown per game. That's disgusting. Right, yeah, throwing rather than on the ground. Yeah, that, in, in with with, league, with the really NFL, good. how it is with. It's set up so you can pass, so you have fantasy numbers and people score. Yeah, and if you're not able to put up passing touchdowns and move the ball through the air, you're not going to win a lot of football games. Um, and again, I, I, I feel like um, Pickens is definitely the, the guy they want to protect right now. And I feel like Deontay Johnson, you know, he drops the ball. Um, and now he's throwing a, hit, a, a hissy fit this week. They gave him opportunities last week to score a touchdown. They forced the ball to him yeah. on a couple, I think. Yeah. Too. 
Um, in uh, the the early uh, touchdown Najee Harris had that was called back when I, I thought it was a bad call by not challenging that, and they when lost he scored. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, so yeah. he. He would have scored a touchdown. I, I don't like the decision not to challenge, and then I don't like the decision to hurry up and snap it. Yeah, what? I feel like they should have challenged. And or or take it. your time and watch the replay on the jumbotron, even. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that, if you remember, that followed. That it was. It was like a deep um, in in route. Deontay Johnson caught and ran to that, like the one or two yard line. I I, I think. If I was calling the plays, I would have had Deontay Johnson on the field, even if I was going to just run the ball to use as a decoy on the next play. Yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like, you know, they were stacked in the box and um, Cleveland was able to adjust. I feel like just bringing out Deontay Johnson at least would have created some sort of, at least would take one guy out of the box or so. I feel like that's, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, they, they definitely, like you were saying, moving quickly, like that doesn't even make sense. Just take the normal amount, especially on a scoring play. Like you, you could easily look. There's a couple of times, speaking of Najee Harris's knees, though, like there's a couple of times he got rolled up throughout the season where I thought he tore his ACL a couple of times. Like he must have like just rubber bones and uh, joints and uh, ligaments. JP, I want to talk about Matt Canada real quick before we move into the, the playoff talk. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? There we go. Um, That's what Matt Canada should have said if he wanted to save his job. That would have been funny. He should. <laughs> he should just do the clean, dirty change and just throw everybody under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> if Mason would have played all year. Um, but what? What's your opinion on uh, the status of Matt Canada going forward? He still currently has a job, unfortunately. Did he do enough in the last couple of weeks for them to justify? Oh, you know what? Oh, he's finally coming along with a rookie quarterback. No, I, 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 I don't like the. I, I, I think a lot of that was Tomlin and the players, you know, doing better. I, I I'm confused, really. Like, how come we're going to let Brian Flores interview with other teams as a defensive coordinator, but we're protecting Matt Canada? It just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like you have a, a pretty good coach with Flores, and they should elevate him to some sort of coordinator or a higher up. And I'd like to keep him on our team. Offense isn't his forte, so I wouldn't give him the candidate position, but I would find a way to keep him around. Is Brian I Flores, like, as a defensive coordinator, a better offensive coordinator than Matt Canada? I was about to say, you know, he has head coaching experience, and I know they tried that little stint in New England this year with, um, um, uh, what, 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 what was, uh, what's their offensive coordinator's name again? Uh, in New England right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, From um, uh, Matt Patricia. Oh, he's their offensive coordinator now. Yeah, yeah, they moved him because I guess he was head coach of Detroit, and they thought that maybe he could work out there. And it, it, it you know, it, it's stupid to move defensive-minded guys. Yeah, why would you even do? Like, why wouldn't you just take a career offensive-minded guy versus let's take a defensive guy who switched real quick? Right, it, it doesn't make sense to me. But having said, it, I feel like there's just better options out there than Matt Canada. Um, I mean, we're praising that he played well for the second half, or his team played well for the second half of the year, but. A lot of that was, you know, a, a weak schedule, players playing a little bit better, but they still weren't scoring points. I feel like just from the product I've seen on the field, a lot of it was due to just inconsistent play calling, play calling that I feel like wasn't playing to the strengths of their team. And uh, I just feel like there's better guys out there. I know the Steelers have their way of doing business where they like to groom from within. 
and out of there's if there is a better guy in the system there but i feel like they they play their best football when they've had guys like ken wisenhunt or bruce arians you know a proven commodity rather than you know canada i mean the best thing he's and we just said it like they had 11 passing touchdowns all year they had one game where Najee totaled 100 yards or wide receiver totaled 100 yards i i just don't think his offense is what's what's gonna you know win in today's nfl i feel like you need an upgrade and offensive-minded teams win in this league right now and steelers are gonna have to find a way to uh, i don't know find better ways to score more points i mean just running the ball and playing defense doesn't win in this league anymore and i don't think i don't think canada has really done enough i don't think he should have been here this year you know but uh they kept him and uh no, I don't think he's shown enough growth to keep him around. I, I'd rather see, see what's out there. The thing with the Steelers at the end of the year looking better, like, did they look good or did they look good for the Steelers, you know, dumpster fire offense? Because like you were just saying, it still didn't translate to points. And at the end of the day, it's about who has more points. If they can't score points, it's going to be very hard to compete unless you shut teams out every week. And as you see, the, the roles are changing to hurt the, well, you know, make it harder for the defense. Cam Hayward can't tackle somebody without getting a flag. Um, I don't know that that's going to be conducive for winning going forward with, you know, it's, it, it is. It's just like McKee Sports offense. Like they're running like, well, you know, triple reverses and stuff. Like this is what you do when you know you're not good enough to have a real offense. You have to try to trick people. And I feel like it's just they need to find a, a more pro kind of with the times uh, offensive coordinator and maybe just team in general. And it's not even like organized trickery. Like you see – you know, Kansas City do, or uh, B- B- Buffalo, or, you know, even New England on occasion w- would bust out a trick play. Um, or San Fran or, or Sean McVay, you know, guys like that where they could use the reverses because they have the players capable of doing it, or they're able to, you know, uh, snap the football when their receiver's in motion behind the quarterback, and you don't know if the ball's going to the running back or if they're just going to sweep it to the receiver. Um, it's, it's it's disorganized here in Pittsburgh. I feel like there it just seems like there's penalties, false starts. You know, it's just it, it, it's issues that come down to coaching, and it's it's disorganized. And I, I I would rather just have them have an offense that's capable of winning more football games and making playoff runs. I mean, like they were doing that when they had um you, you know even Todd Haley who didn't get along for Offisberger necessarily, but they were finding ways to move the football, and I, I just haven't seen that here. It, it, it seems like a very JV offense, if you ask me. I agree, and I feel like maybe they were able to find ways to move the ball before because they just had more talent. Uh, they had A.B., Le'Veon Bell, people like that. Heath Miller was still on the team. Uh, you had you know parts that you know were contributing. Martavis Bryant was real good for a year. Um, you, you, you see some other guys. I don't know that uh, the team's that good right now, especially, you know, the the offensive line, I guess, starts everything. They seem to come together. They seem to do a little bit better at the end of the year. Are they a good offensive line? I don't know about that. I don't know that any position really uh, blows me away on offense. Um, Right, and and what it comes down to is everyone says, well, you know, they did better the second half of the year. They were winning games. Yeah, that's all true, but guess what? 
them at their best still isn't matching up. With like they beat Huntley Cincinnati. with the Ravens. Right. Like th- th- they're not matching up with Cincinnati. They're not matching up with Baltimore if Lamar Jackson, you know, w- was to be there. It, it, you know, they're definitely not competing with Kansas City or Buffalo. Right. You know, Kansas City's doing run around the Rosie before they're snapping the ball. <laughs> definitely not on that level here. I feel like they were like, look how ridiculous this play can be and we're still going to score. I know it didn't count, but like they, <laughs> they still like pulled off a play better than the Steelers could. It was like, we're just so good and this is a divisional opponent who we hate. We're just going to do this. Yeah. And, and we're yeah. <laughs> talking about this team, this, the Steelers on the cusp of the playoffs. Of the, the AFC teams, the Chargers, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Chiefs, who do you think the Steelers even compete with? Because I feel like they lose to every one of those teams. Right. The only ones may, may be Jacksonville, and that's because they got in in because of their division. Well, if they and play in the playoffs, they would probably beat the Chargers just because the Chargers don't know how to win. <laughs> Potentially, but I do, I do remember. I think Justin Herbert did shred the Steelers when they played last year. I'm um, just, yeah, I'm just saying. In the playoffs, the Chargers, no matter if they're 13 and three, if they barely squeak in, if they're the best team in the league, as soon as the playoffs come around, uh, they they can't seem to win. They, they crumble very much like the Steelers the past few years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think there's there's major changes that need to come. They're um, I feel like like they've been catering the past couple of years to some of their good players with you know Bell, AB, and it's kind of transitioned down the pipeline to Juju and Claypool and Deontay Johnson in some way. I feel like, and who knows, maybe Pickens ends, ends up that way too with his history in college. But I, 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 I'm just over it. They need leaders, not divas, on this team. Uh, Cam Hayward's getting older, but he he's really their only true leader. I feel like I feel like Fitzpatrick and Watt kind of lead by example in the field, but they don't have any vocal leaders on this team. It seems like, in my opinion. All right, it seems I... like not. It seems like Najee wants to do well on offense, and everyone else is kind of along for the numbers. Yeah, um, I guess we'll see going forward. JP, they're going to have basically two first round picks, right? They have. Uh... Like roughly the what the seventeenth pick or somewhere around there, and they're gonna have the thirty second pick, I think. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, two two picks, another six. So they're picking three times. I heard in the top fifty. So hopefully that they can address. I mean, they have multiple offensive lines still an issue. Uh, inside linebackers an issue. Another corner would be great, you know. So I'm assuming they'll probably take best available, like they always do. And they need to block up the D-line as well. So, I mean, many issues. Hopefully they're able to uh, f- fill the gaps this offseason. Yeah. And, and they're not paying a quarterback, so maybe they will make a splash in free agency. You never know. That's uh, unlikely. Maybe on defense. I can't imagine them bringing in, you know, an offensive guy. Maybe. And speaking like, of that, did you hear uh, Baltimore re-sign Roquan Smith? I did. To five years, $100 million. That's great news in Pittsburgh because this drama with Lamar Jackson behind the scenes, I don't think he's coming back to Baltimore after this year, and they just paid an inside linebacker rather than the quarterback. It was yeah. stupid, and I love the move for Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, well, very quickly and, you know, real, real fast, uh, what's uh, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore's relationship? Do you know? Are they kind of rocky right now? They're, well, yeah, Lamar wanted a contract extension at the start of the year. 
and they never got a deal done. So he was betting on himself this year to play and I think just fetch a new deal from anyone. He has he's dealing with an injured knee at the moment that I hear hasn't recovered the way they were hoping. And it's gonna be an uphill battle for him to play this week. But I feel like part of the drama too is they didn't give him the extension and um I mean in Lamar's situation, why go out and play and risk injury yeah for sure uh, uh do you have any word if he's going to play against cincinnati i heard it's, it's an uphill fight for it um i heard even tyler huntley was dealing with injury last week so they may have to roll uh, anthony brown out again for a playoff game but i, I hear like L- lamar would want to i mean it's a playoff game definitely want to get out there for the guys you definitely don't want to leave your teammates behind even if it is risking injury for yourself but from what I'm hearing, it's, it's going to be an uphill fight, and I think it's likely he, he misses this week. Can't say that I hate to see the Ravens lose. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, hopefully he's all right. You don't ever want to have a guy get injured, especially if he's leaving the Ravens. Um, so we'll, we'll see that. Uh, JP, let's uh, let's do some playoff picks. There's six games this week, and you were saying uh, we could each pick three, and we'll each pick one. Now, I'm looking at the spreads based on – FanDuel. What do you usually use? I'm on FanDuel as well. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking at the spreads right now. Uh, do you want to pick? Uh, we'll, we'll pick all six games. Do you want to pick uh, first? Uh, sure, let's do it. If I Now, a lot of these lines are, like, g- gigantic because we have questionable play quarterback for some of these. Um, but believe it or not, my first pick – Number one. Uh, I'm going to do it. Just screw it. I'm going to take the Cowboys over Brady and the Bucks. This is definitely a uh, scary pick considering it's Tom at home in the playoffs. But Tampa Bay outside Brady has just been a mess. Um, they're the only team with a losing record, I think, to be in the playoffs right now. Dallas had a shot at the one seed and missed it this week. I just think they're a better team than Tampa. Two and a half is not a lot. I think they could win by a field goal here. I think with the injuries on the offensive line, Tampa's just all year. Brady says that they're not zeroed in on winning. And uh, Dallas has some playmakers. Um, every unit on their team has guys capable. Um, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard um, have had uh, phenomenal years, Pro Bowl caliber years. And uh, I, I'm not sure what Tampa does well. Run game's been non-existent. Offensive line's been banged up all year. Though I hear Ryan Jensen may come back, but if he does, he won't be 100%. Blocking Micah Parsons off the edge is going to be a handful. And uh, I don't know. I, I just I, – I, I would like to see Tampa win. I'm, I'm, I'm a Brady guy. I'm rooting for him. But And Dallas is a team that chokes historically in the playoffs. I was going to say Dallas is the NFC Chargers. Right, right. You know, But I, I think – and I'm not a big Dak guy either, but I just, this is like the lowest spread among these games. And I think Dallas is going to beat them. Uh, I really do, despite it being Brady in the playoffs. I feel like he's not as committed to this team. He's ready for his next team as well. Um, and this could be a make or break game for uh, Mike McCarthy in Dallas. I think Dallas just has better coaches right now. And I, I think Dallas is going gonna, is gonna to win this. All right, there you have it. I'm going to go with... Number two. Now, out of the games I'm looking at right now, I think 
my most confident would be the Bengals over the the, the Ravens. Uh, the Bengals are given eight and a half points, um, but I still let, I feel like the Bengals are gonna. It's like it'll be like a thirty-two to ten game, like uh, with the uncertainty at quarterback on the Ravens, and even if Lamar plays, which he probably won't, like you were just saying, he's gonna be hurt. Uh, I just don't see them putting up the same offensive power that the Cincinnati Bengals can. Yeah, and uh, they met this past week, and since he did beat them by 11, Anthony Brown was under center for Baltimore. Um, He did throw for uh, 286 yards, but no no touchdowns. He had to drop back 44 times, threw two picks. And, uh, I mean, the, the run game's been iffy in Baltimore, too. You definitely see a more... Built what what well reigned team with the Bengals playmakers three great wide receivers, uh Joe Mixon's running the ball well. Joe Burrow could be the best quarterback when it comes to playoff football. Um, just from what we see, we see that poise of Burrow. He really has that like Joe Montana swag to him. That and plus they're at home. I think I think since he definitely wins eight and a half, a lot of points. I think Vegas is unsure whether Lamar plays or not, so that's why you get that spread. And uh, if Lamar is out, I, I think I, I like Cincy as well, even though it's eight and a half points. I could just see them going up a ton early and then just the running it and the Baltimore not being able to do anything. Yeah, it, it's a tough situation for Baltimore, especially a team that prides itself on physicality and running the football. It's going to be hard for them to manage the clock against a very underrated Bengals defense. Like we say all the time, it's about you know turnovers, time of possession, stuff like that. If they can get turnovers, that that has to be the way to beat Baltimore. It's those big splash plays because I really don't see them uh, having methodical drives downfield and then stopping you know that high powered Bengals offense. JP, I'll let you go with number three. Okay, I'm gonna take uh, the Chargers minus two and a half against Jacksonville. Um. Chargers have uh, had some injuries, and I thought it was a horrible decision to play Mike Williams, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, some of these guys the past week, because I heard they all had injury setbacks, Mike Williams and Bosa in particular. But it looks like um, Mike Williams, they say, could play. I think he will likely play. Rashawn Slater, I heard, is uh, designed to return this week as well at left tackle. And... uh, I think Justin Herbert just has more weapons around him than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence has been, you could argue, the best quarterback since you know week nine this in the NFL, despite not getting the coverage. But uh, these two teams just like home field advantage for these teams are like the two worst home field advantages you can get in the NFL. I know they're heading to Jacksonville, but the warm weather I think is going to help the Chargers as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, just uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, hopefully they, they can go. But other than that, um, they just, you know, they have playmakers. Um, and Derwin James, just absolute freak at safety. Um, and um, Austin Eckler just threatened the run and pass game. Jacksonville, I think, benefited from a very weak division. And uh, I'm interested to see how both these quarterbacks fare in their first playoff games. Yeah. But uh, with, with the spread this little... It's close, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the Chargers here. I'm, I'm interested. I'm glad you said that about the quarterbacks. I want to see which one of these guys can kind of make a run in the playoffs. They're, they're both 
kind of the younger guys. I want Trevor Lawrence to be good. I want uh, Justin Herbert. I like Justin Herbert, and I think he is good. But I really want to see him kind of like make that next step. You have to win a playoff game before you're really like in that next echelon of quarterback. Right. And I've no one's been talking about Trevor Lawrence this year. And I mean, last year was a wash. He had Urban Meyer as his coach. And uh, that might be one of the worst coaching like jobs ever. Yeah, yeah, probably is the worst coaching job ever, even with Hugh Hugh Jackson. Hugh's name. Hugh Jackson at Cleveland. Hugh Jackson, yeah, in Cleveland, who went like one in 31. Or in Oakland, who was also bad there, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like. I think Trevor Lawrence. He's not given the recognition that you know everyone's big on Herbert and Burrow and Mahomes, Allen, all these young guys. Trevor Lawrence is just as good as all those guys. He just hasn't had the opportunities. It seems like, and um, I'm interested to see how it goes. But I'm going to take what I know at the moment and go with uh, the Chargers. All right, I will go with number four. Now I'm kind of. This is where it kind of gets. The, the, the spreads are so big, so I'm kind of torn between two games. You know what? I'm going to go with Seattle over San Francisco with nine and a half points. And the only reason I'm doing that, it's it's a divisional matchup. You see closer games like that. Um, nine and a half is just a lot of points. I could see Seattle even, like, uh, taking the opening kickoff. I mean, not back, but, like, say they get up early. And then they make a stop. Like if Seattle has, or if San Francisco has to play from behind, I could see them catching up, but I don't see them, you know, overcoming ten points kind of thing. Um, I, I think San Francisco wins. San Francisco is a way better team, but I think Seattle keeps it within nine and a half. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, division games could go either way. These teams know each other inside and out. Um, and what a quarterback matchup we have here. Geno Smith versus Brock Purdy in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to say, I mean, all we know about Brock Purdy at this moment is that he's good. Like everyone's like, yeah, they're good, but they have Brock Purdy. Yeah, but Brock Purdy has 13 touchdowns to four interceptions all year. Yeah, like um, he's better than all the quarterbacks on the on the Steelers from this year mm-hmm. in, yeah, he, in half a season. Right. Uh, he, he's distributing the ball well, but um, like you said, I think nine and a half is just, that's, it's a lot of points for a playoff game. These teams know each other um, v- very well. I think Seattle's, um, you know, they had, they were playing well and they struggled and they snuck in here. I think they have something to prove here. Um, and I, I, I agree. San Fran definitely wins, but I think Seattle can keep it within nine and a half. Yeah, I just don't see San Francisco blowing anyone out by 20 points, especially a divisional game like that. And I don't think Geno Smith is anything special, but I feel like I feel like when he was with the Jets, almost like when he got drafted early, he almost like thought he had it figured out kind of thing. And then he had like bumps and bruises in the NFL, which you see some of these other guys. And like I feel like he uh, appreciates it more. And I, I kind of like to see Geno Smith – I like San Francisco, and I I think they're definitely going to win. But I do like to see Geno Smith kind of resurrect his career a little bit. And Geno's been honest about it. He said, look, I was immature when I was with the Jets. Um, He had an issue where I think he he either got hit or he hit one of his – I think a teammate hit him. And, like, he said that, like, ever since – I remember that. Didn't he get his, like, jaw broken in camp or something? Yeah, it was something like that. Was it Cromartie? I thought it was a cornerback, like Cromartie or somebody like that. That sounds right. Yeah, I can't remember, but 
Yeah, he he Carrie Rhodes or somebody. (laughs) (laughs) He he openly admits to you know making that mistake, and I I think he owns up to it. He made the Pro Bowl this year. He definitely has a chip on his shoulder heading into this game. But San Fran's D has just been top notch all year long. Um, They're definitely the best D in the league at home. They're running the ball better. It it could very go one way, but I think a divisional opponent. You know, nine and a half for two playoff divisional opponents when the team that's giving the points has, you know, the last overall pick under center. Like, you're never going to see this again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. right now. It says Gino Smith fight with IK and Tecumpoco. No. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a linebacker, but it's, yeah, I think he got his jaw broken. Dang it. Could you imagine getting punched by a linebacker? <laughs> Just like yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're gigantic, and I, yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah, I would I wouldn't ever speak again. Yeah, uh, Pete Carroll too. Also, to sorry. Uh, also, uh-huh. the only position that needs to speak, you broke his right, job. right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pete Carroll, a, a lot of playoff experience, and uh, I know he's going into it without Russell Wilson this time, but. I mean, he knocked off the Saints when the Seahawks got in for losing record. I mean, they rally around him. Young guys do, especially when it's do or die time. Um, I just think San Fran's simply the better team. But I mean, nine and a half, Seattle can hang in there. Pete Carroll seems like he still has a locker room for somebody who's been coaching for a while. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Same with like John really, Harbaugh, somebody like that. Yeah, he's, he has all this energy in his seventies. I just think he relates to young players. I've heard multiple sources say that like. He can kind of wear you out after a few years, but as long as he has this young group of guys, you know, and I think that's why he was so successful at USC, but as long as he has a, a, a group of young men who are just hungry and want it, I think that he has a way of relating to those players. Anytime you see an old guy like that who has just endless energy and stuff, who's like a kid, they're <laughs> always the most annoying person ever. I wonder if he's like that. <laughs> All right, JP is... Oh, oh no. Go ahead if you want to. If you want to talk yeah, shit on Pete Carroll, real say, quick. he could also be a genius considering what happened. The Russell Wilson trade yeah. helped to this point. Best trade ever. If you're Seattle, <laughs> yeah, it's looking <laughs> like it for sure. Uh, let's go with number five. I really wanted to bait you into Minnesota because I got this feeling here. I think the Giants are going to win outright in oh, an wow. upset. So that I'm was the other the game I was going Minnesota. with. What was that? That was the other game I was going to go with. Yeah, I, I really wanted to see if you take Minnesota, but I'm going to take the Giants with the points. And, and simply, it's uh, NFL playoffs. You never get the favorites winning every week. There's going to be at least one upset here. And I, I, I'm going to give it to the Giants here. I think I like uh, uh, Brian Dabo, or Dable. He's been a great coach. I think he might be my pick for coach of the year. I he's, think he's, done. he's my coach for for or my pick for coach of the year. Yeah, that team's just been ready to play all year. I think they're going to try to control the clock of Saquon Barkley. They don't have a dynamic quarterback or receivers. But, I mean, Andrew Thomas has played tremendous at left tackle. They have a good defensive line, which I think can get after the quarterback. And, I don't know, Minnesota, I just get this feeling. that they, they, they're, they're a team that, you know, loses games when they shouldn't. I just get this feeling from them. They got first-year coach in the playoffs. And um, 
I mean, Kirk, Kirk Cousins again in prime time. He has one playoff win, I know, but I mean, the world's going to be watching him. I, I don't know if Minnesota's a little flashy, but not physical, and their defense has been historically bad for a playoff team. Their point differential, I think, was the worst in the league as far as teams that um are in the playoffs. Or maybe it was like they had like a, a negative one. I forget, but it, it's substantially bad. I think the Giants offense can take advantage. I don't confidently take the Giants in this by any means, considering Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. These guys are guys that need to be accounted for every snap. But I, I, I just get this feeling here. They're going to a dome. It's not going to be cold. Daniel Jones has been using his legs more often recently. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if Minnesota comes away here, considering they are favored and they played well all year. They've won every close game on their schedule. But I, I just I got this feeling here that their luck's going to run out. I think the Giants are going to get an upset here, believe it or not. I could totally see that. I would pick the Vikings. I kind of feel like this year they might not blow it. But this Giants team, like I, at the beginning of the year, I was making jokes about them, and I was saying they were trash. And I... I don't know that they're that great still, but he Brian Drable or Dable is making the the most out of the talent on that team, and I really do believe uh, I could see like Sirianni being up there um, for coach of the year. But I I really think that I would I would go with him uh, for the best coach just because he's making the most out of the the team that I thought was trash going into the year. Yeah, and I feel like Pete Pete Carroll and uh, Kyle Shanahan you can consider for Coach of the Year as well. But I think that uh, uh, Dabble might be my pick as well. Um, Giants, like, it was laughable when you looked at the locker room full of guys they had. Um, questionable wide receivers that looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, Saquon Barkley's always hurt. It seemed like offensive line's a mess. And Daniel Jones, you know, we, we thought that he'd be definitely – definitely replaced after this season but i mean they're winning football games they're in the playoffs and i know we joke about the nfc east every year this was the best division in the nfl this year and they still found a way to make playoffs i think you gotta give him the nod yeah i I, i'm obviously i agree because i was just saying all that (laughs) so let's go with the final number six number six well i guess that's the dolphins buffalo Buffalo is giving 13 and a half points, which are so many. I'm still going Buffalo. I think Buffalo can go like 31-10, something like that. Like I really think they finish the game running the ball just because it's going to be like a mercy roll kind of thing. Yeah, and, and the, Tua's already been rolled out. Teddy Bridgewater, not likely to play from what I'm hearing. And I saw Skylar Thompson play these past couple weeks. I think... I, I had um I was playing against New England's defense in fantasy in a playoff game and when Teddy got hurt and Skylar Thompson came in and I just saw it seemed like panic in his game and then this week against the Jets they put up nine offensive points and then a safety at the end to get eleven. If, if Thompson's under center, I mean you you gotta take Buffalo with that spread despite it being two touchdowns. Um, because not. Because uh, Buffalo, like we said, they're explosive. They could be the best team in football. Um, and they have the biggest chip on their shoulders. I was going to say, they the have the, the, the best, like the, the most fighting for it kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Defense gets pressure without blitzing. Like, Skylar Thompson's going to have his hands full all game. 
Uh, they're at Buffalo. That's a warm weather team heading to cold Buffalo. And uh, I, I think B- Buffalo, def- absolutely, they win this game. 13 and a half points is a lot, especially for a division opponent. Um, Dolphins are going to have to find ways to use Tyreek Hill in ways that aren't passing the ball downfield. Like, simply, they're going to have to, like, use formations where they're handing the ball off to Hill or Waddle. And, you know, I think if Miami wins, they have to rely on speed and trickery, trickery this week. Buffalo, I think, is just the physical, more physical team as well at home. Uh, Miami's got a first-year coach. Uh, uh, Skylar Thompson's on her center for a playoff game. But, you know, I, I think Buffalo's clearly the better team. And uh, I, I'll take them to cover, too, if I had to. Yeah, I'm, I'm 13 and a half is a big spread, but I'm still going with that. They get up early. There's no way the Dolphins uh, come back and, you know, scrape at it with, with him at quarterback. Um, I, I, I feel like if the Dolphins won this game, it would be one of the biggest upsets ever. Yeah, yeah, it would have to be. I mean, considering, I mean, look at this entire playoff poll. Like, I feel like the last two years were super exciting. This year, it's a little disappointing because of the quarterbacks that are featured. Yeah. Like, yeah, and as Skylar Thompson, I feel like I'll be at the bottom of the play, playoff quarterback barrel here. If they expect to win, it's going to be, you know, huge, huge upset. You know, I, I don't see him heading into Buffalo and finding a way to win this. There's just no way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see it either. JP, that was fantastic as always. Is it playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. One of the best weekends in in all of sports is uh, you love the wild card the next weekend, uh, the divisional playoffs or whatever. Always great. This is when football gets really really good. So JP, anything you'd like to end with? I was going to say, I, th- I think the game to watch this week is the first game I pick. I think Dallas and Tampa is probably going to be the game I'm most excited for this weekend. It seems like we get this week a lot of blowouts, it seems like, according to the spreads, or just games that seem a, l- a little bit more boring on the boring end, like the Vikings and Giants aren't the most exciting teams to watch, or Jacksonville. But I think that Tampa-Dallas game is g- g- going to be a fun one to watch on Monday night. Yeah, I agree. As uh, refresh my memory, maybe you know. Have there been Monday night playoff games? I thought they've been mostly weekend, right? I, I thought they've like I can't remember the last time they did it. It's kind of an unfair advantage, you know. If you're Tampa or Dallas and you win, and you have to play Seattle or on a short week. or someone that well, I guess they will play a team maybe that had a bye. But like, if you play Saturday and get two more days of rest, that's it's a huge advantage. Yeah. That yeah, I, I don't like I like the Monday game. I'd rather them do three Saturday, three Sunday. Yeah, I'm with you. That that does make sense. You you have the Saturday Monday kind of matchup. It could, uh, you know, the the rest uh, makes a difference. But JP, fantastic speaking with you all season. We're gonna keep talking throughout the playoffs. Like I said, this is one of the the best weekends in all of sports. Uh, JP, thank you so much. Oh, always. It's always uh, a pleasure to speak with you. For Sports Guy JP, I'm Chris. I'm going to say I'm so happy that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough... 
follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. You like that? You like that? In my opinion, that sucked. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. You play to win the game. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie.